have gotten that really good news about a new baby being born. Maybe you got a birth announcement in the mail, you know, uh, someone that you know, maybe off in a distant place, is reporting they have a new baby or maybe a new grandbaby, which is perhaps even more special. But you've gotten this announcement of a birth. Or maybe if it's somebody locally, you know, the word gets passed around maybe within the local congregation that a new baby's been born. Or maybe if it's someone in your family, maybe someone really close to you, you got the call on the phone, maybe in the middle of the night you got uh, awakened with the news, the baby has come, uh, everything's good, the baby's healthy, mom's doing well. Uh, th- th- those are good Those are good bits of information that come to you whenever they come. Lots of emotions fill our hearts when we get good news about a baby being born. There's certainly that emotion of thankfulness, so grateful that uh, the, the baby has been born and healthy and everything is well. Uh, there is the, the emotion of hope. You know, we're hopeful for the future for this little child, the things that that he'll he or she will grow and mature, and everything will be fine in their life. But maybe if you wanted to pick just one word to describe the news about a new baby being born, maybe you'd choose the word joy. There's joy at the news of a birth, a new baby being born. When we read in our Bibles, we read about. Lots of birth announcements. There's lots of reports there in the Bible about babies being born. Birth announcements, if you will. But one, of course, and you know what I'm talking about, one is a very special news report about a baby being born. In Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened, and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a, of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Notice that the angel said, I've got good news for you. And the good news is for all the people. Good news for all the people. That's what was being reported when Jesus was born. That's what was reported to the shepherds who were in the field with their sheep the very night that Jesus was born. We want to discuss that good news for all people that we find in the Word of God, in the New Testament in particular. We want to talk about this good news. Before we get into that discussion further, we just stop to say thank you for being here this morning. We're so grateful for each and every one of you. Glad that you have chosen to be together with us as we join to worship today and to study from the Word of God. We take great encouragement from you, and you hope, we hope that you do from us. We'll be studying from the Scriptures. We think it's so important to know what the Bible says and try to follow it as carefully as we can. Here at College View, we're committed to a thus saith the Lord kind of approach to our religion, a book, chapter, and verse. And, and so if you say, why do you do that? Hopefully we can give you a, a Bible verse to explain why we're doing it that way. We believe that's the way it should be done, and we're very committed to that. So if you have questions, by all means, please ask them. This is, a, this is leading us up to what's going to be a very busy time here at College View, and I want you all to be prepared for that. Remember this Friday night, we're going to have a, a gospel uh, congregational singing. Jim Deason, well known to most of us here, is going to come up from Alabama where he preaches now to lead us in singing on Friday night at 7. It will be good. Jim's a very good song leader. He's an excellent preacher, but he's also a very good song leader. And so you will uh, certainly appreciate that opportunity. So don't forget Friday night. But then Sunday, a week from today, begins our gospel meeting. And so all of that next week 
we'll have a gospel meeting and be meeting each night at 7 o'clock after Sunday. Mark your calendars, clear off any conflicting appointments, and let's have a great day. It's going to be busy, but it will be good, and so uh, let's be ready for that. But again, we thank everybody for being here this morning. What about this good news for all the people that is the gospel? You know, that's literally what the word gospel means. We, we throw that word out a lot, but I think we all understand that the word gospel means literally good news. There's good news here. When we talk about the truths that are contained in the New Testament, it's really good news. First of all, we point out the good news involves the fact that the gospel is very powerful and it solves everyone's greatest problem. What if you read in the newspaper or heard on the radio, saw it on TV, maybe read it on your internet news sites, that a new energy source had been found? It's a whole new thing. Nobody even really thought about this. It's a whole new thing. Uh, that'd be You'd want to follow up on a new energy source because we all need energy, right? We, we need gas for our cars. We need heat for our homes. Uh, we need something to cook a meal with. We need energy. And so a report comes out that there's a new energy source, but not only is it new, it's absolutely free. All the energy needs you will ever have for getting from here to there in a car, for keeping your house warm in the wintertime, for cooking your meals, it's going to be all free. It's a new thing, and it's all free to anybody who wants that. That would be some good news, wouldn't it? How would our budgets be freed up if we didn't have to buy gasoline anymore or we didn't have to pay our utilities for heating our houses anymore? That would be really good news. I want to tell you, here's news. When we're talking about this good news that's in the gospel of Christ, this good news involves something far, far greater than that. Because all of us do have a problem, and it's not heating our houses or driving our cars. The problem that we have is we have the problem of sin in our lives. And that sin in our lives separates us from God. In the text that Logan read for us a few moments ago, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Separated from God. Think about that. Now, we're separated from God because of sin. And it's not just the big black sins, you know. You know if, if people were asked to rate their, the sins that can be committed, there'd be some sins up there at the top of the list that people regard as very horrible sins, you know. Murder, adultery, you know, might be up there at the top of the list. But when you got down farther on the list, you know, there'd be some other sins that people don't think are so bad, you know. Little white lies and uh, so forth. Notice that they're not categorized that way in this in this important text, nor are they categorized that way anywhere in the Bible. Sin is sin, and sin separates us from God. Think about that. We're separated by sin from this almighty creator. He's the one who spoke the whole physical universe into existence. He just said so, and it happened. Can you think of a being so powerful? That with his spoken word, he could create everything that we know in the physical universe. That's how powerful this is. And he's that powerful and more, and you're separated from him. You're alienated from him. You, you can't have a relationship with you. You're at odds with him, and he's at odds with you. Why? Because of sin. That's how bad it is. This is a horrible thing. There's no greater issue in life. There's nothing that even holds a candle to this issue your sins and iniquities have separated between you and your God. 
Your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. What are we going to do about that? What, what can we possibly do to resolve that kind of a horrible circumstance? Well, the good news is Jesus came. The good news is that Jesus is the reconciliation. Jesus puts us back on good terms with God. Notice what Paul said here in Colossians chapter 1, beginning verse 19. It pleased the Father that in Jesus should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Jesus made reconciliation for us with God. He did so through that atoning sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. By shedding His blood there, He made it possible for us to be back together with God, to have a relationship with God. Uh, that's good news. I want to tell you, we were completely undone and without hope and there was nothing that could have possibly solved this dilemma for us except that God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. You know, we started out our lesson talking about the wonderful announcement of Jesus' birth to the shepherds in the field on that night He was born in Bethlehem. But you know what's interesting, although the Bible certainly tells us that story, and it's a very important part of the story, of course. We, we, Jesus couldn't have died for our sins if He wasn't first born to the Virgin Mary. That's an important part of the story. But the New Testament stresses so much more His death and the sacrifice, the shedding of His blood. There's a lot more emphasis on His death and dying and burial and resurrection than there is on Him being born in Bethlehem. The birth in Bethlehem, absolutely critical to the story. But the real power of it all is that He shed His blood to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's good news. I want to tell you, that's great news. And so, the good news is the Gospel solves everyone's greatest problem, the problem of sin. Furthermore, the Gospel is simple. And everyone can understand it. got a question for you this morning. Do you understand quantum physics? Quantum physics? I can't even say it. You, you understand quantum physics? You don't. Hmm, too bad. Too bad then. That being the case, you aren't eligible for this benefit that God makes through Jesus Christ. What? You mean just because I don't have a PhD in some higher science, I cannot be right with... Sorry, you're not eligible. If you, if you can't understand such complex topics as that, then you're just not going to be able to be right with God. No, that's not right, is it? God revealed this great news that we were just describing about salvation through Jesus Christ. God revealed that great news to simple men. You know, the apostles were specifically pointed out as these are unlearned men. These, these are not men with high degrees. These are not men who have studied at the feet of scholars. These are just common fishermen and so forth. And yet God used those simple men. He revealed His truth to those simple men who then recorded it, wrote it down so that we all can read it and understand it. The Gospel's simple. It can be understood by all. Jesus, when He was praying to God, thanked Him for that. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. The point of that is, Everyone can understand. Uh, it's the, they, by the way, just speaking of this verse specifically, 
These things are hidden to the wise and prudent only because they don't want to know. They don't want to accept it. They don't want to acknowledge it. These things are hidden to the wise and prudent. But to anybody, even the simplest of people, can understand the facts of the gospel. You can understand the promises that God made in the gospel. And you can understand the requirements that he places upon us if we want the benefits of the gospel. Everyone can understand. Now, there's always been some people who will reject the gospel. They might even call it foolishness. Paul wrote about some of those in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning verse 18. Paul said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, get the point that Paul's making here. There are some people who are going to call this message, this gospel message, the preaching of this message, they're going to call that, that's just foolishness to them. They don't grasp it. They don't, they don't get it. But the reason they don't get it is because they have a lack of appreciation. It is not a lack of comprehension. In other words, it's not that they can't understand it, it's that they choose not to understand it. The Bible is understandable. The New Testament, the gospel message in particular, is simple. And everyone can understand what it takes to be saved from sin. And so that's good news. You know, it's good news that I don't have, I don't have to be a PhD in philosophy to be able to figure out what the scripture is telling me to do, right? Uh, the gospel is simple, can be understood by all. Furthermore, the good news is that the gospel is free. Again, you can think of some, some scenarios that would be really sad. So here's this, here's this powerful gospel that can solve your sin problem. And you can understand it. I mean, anybody can who wants to. But the problem is, it costs you a million dollars. In order to be able to participate in this, you have to be able to come up with a million dollars cash money uh, before you can get in. You know, we read all the time about exclusive clubs. You know, maybe some country club and you've got to make a big deposit down payment and then big annual fees to participate in that. Or maybe, you know, you've been trying to investigate how you could make some investments. You don't have a lot of money, but you'd like to make some investments to make some money on, on the little bit of money you got. And so you find out about this opportunity, but you have to have $250,000 to even get in on this deal. Now, exclusive offers is the idea that the average man can't afford that's not the case here. The gospel is free. Everyone can afford it. When the prophet Isaiah was looking forward to the gospel age, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, he said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Isaiah was looking forward to the time that we now enjoy where God would extend these blessings to people through His Son, Jesus Christ, and it be absolutely free. Now, understand here, when he says, buy, eat, come and buy wine and milk without money, without money, 
we should understand, and Isaiah is not contradicting this, we should understand that we can't buy salvation. There's no amount of money that you could come up with by which you could spend money to purchase these blessings that we're describing this morning. And furthermore, you can't, not only can you not buy it with money, you can't earn it with effort either. There's, there's no accumulation of good works that you could do whereby you could demand of God that He save you because you earned it. It's not, you can't buy it, you can't earn it. It's a gift from God. Isaiah is saying though that the thing you need to do is you need to want it. You need to desire it. And if you do desire it, then you can have it from God. It's free. Money, material resources are not needed. Uh, the reason being, of course, is Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price that we couldn't pay ourselves. We had a debt from our sin so great that there was no way that we would ever be able to pay the debt that we owe. Have you ever known of somebody in a situation where maybe they accumulated just astronomical bills? Uh, unfortunately, we hear people doing that pretty often these days, you know, because of medical situations. Maybe because they, they had some form of cancer and, and the, the medicine that the doctors prescribed for it cost just astronomical amounts of money. And so uh, they, took the, they took the treatment, but they have no way of paying it. They're in a a terrible predicament because they've run up bills they can't pay. Uh, that's sort of a nightmare scenario if you stop to think about it, to be in a situation like that. Well, in a very real sense, that's the scenario of us all in regards to our sin. We, we have run up a debt that we can't pay no matter what. We, we can't work long enough or hard enough to earn enough money or to, to accumulate enough merit to pay the debt, but Jesus paid the price for us. He paid the price we could not pay ourselves. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 18, For as much as you know that you are, were not redeemed, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation or manner of life received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. See what Peter's saying? You weren't redeemed with money. Because no money could buy this. What were you redeemed with? You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so the wonderful good news of the gospel is this powerful gospel that can be understood by all can also be had by all. Everyone can. Again, we're not saying, when we use the expression here, everyone can afford it. We don't want to leave the misimpression that we're talking about buying it. You can have it. It's free to all. Finally, let me suggest to you that the gospel is good news for all people because it's an open invitation. Everybody can benefit from it. Uh, what is this gospel message that we've been talking about this morning? Well, Paul described the gospel message in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as specifically involving the fact that Jesus came and died for us, was buried, then was raised. Look how Paul describes it here in this familiar text. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Notice, he's declaring the gospel. What is this gospel? The gospel which I preach to you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and then, I've cut that off right there, but then he goes on to list all the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, right? And we remember he mentions that there were more than 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says that the good news is Jesus came, died, was buried, and was resurrected all to accomplish our salvation. In this text, I think what's really important for us to take away from this text is that Paul is talking about the powerful proof we have that these things are true, especially when he references the eyewitnesses. You know, that eyewitness testimony is such a powerful thing, so necessary for our faith. We have those eyewitnesses who gave their testimony, and we have those eyewitnesses who laid down their lives for the cause of Christ because they knew it to be true and they believed it so strongly that's powerful proof that all of this good news is legitimate and true. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. All of us can be forgiven. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you imagine your sins are, are, are worse than others, although we talked earlier about the fact that sins are not categorized that way by God. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you've lived. If you will believe and obey this gospel, you can be saved. In fact, Paul said to first, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, one of our memory verses, God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he said the same thing. The Lord is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want to tell you, that's really good news. It, now, it's not what we deserve. God didn't do this because we deserved it. You know, God didn't do this because we're such great, wonderful people and He just felt sort of duty-bound to provide salvation for us. That's not the case at all. We don't deserve what God has done through Christ, but God did it through His love and His grace and His mercy. He has made salvation possible for us. That is the gospel message. That is the good news of the gospel. Powerful in that it can address our greatest need of sin. Simple. We can, we can understand it. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out what God wants you to do. It's free. Everybody can have it. It doesn't matter if you don't have any money. You can still have this. It's open to everybody. It's something, a benefit that everyone can enjoy. And so we ask you this morning, have you availed yourself of what the gospel tells? The gospel tells of salvation through Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Have you, have you availed yourself of that? How do you do it? If you've not done that, how do you do it? Well, what we often refer to as the plan of salvation is real simple to understand. We talked, one of our points was, this is simple. You can understand it. You gotta hear the truth first. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. You must then believe what you've heard. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you hear, you believe, you repent. In Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus said, Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Repentance means you've got to turn from your sins. You've got to confess your faith in Jesus. Romans 10, verse 10, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
And then, based on those things, if you are, will submit to baptism for the remission of sins. Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's that plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Have you done that? If not, we hope you make that decision without delay. If you understand those simple truths and are willing to obey them, we're ready to assist you in your obedience this morning. If you need more information, more study, just say a word. We'd be glad to study with you. But you need to address this as your greatest need this morning. If you are a Christian already, but you've fallen away from serving the Lord faithfully, you need to come back. Don't stay in that situation. Repent of your wrong. Confess them as necessary and need, if, they're, if that's needed, if it's a public sin, known publicly. Or if you just desire the prayer of the saints about something you're dealing with in your life. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.